welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone tonight. And your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else all over the world. But if not, just remember, we are the light of the world, because the light of the living God dwells within us all. Therefore, we must let the light of our mighty I Am Presence shine before others by sincerely being loved to one another. God knows the depths of our hearts, that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. And blessed indeed are the pure in heart. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. By thy light and life, I am strengthened and healed. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of light, and I am in all ways, prospered. Bible writers use the word light to represent intelligence. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he undoubtedly meant that he was the expresser of truth in all of its aspects. In the first chapter of John, light and truth are synonymous. There was the true light, even the light which lighteth every man, coming into the world. This does not mean that he was the light of all those who come into the physical world, but of those who are born of spirit into the world of reality. Those who live in physical consciousness regard the light as a radiation of the sun through which people discern the outline of things. But within this light that chases away the darkness, is a principle hidden from the sense man. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness apprehended it not. Materiality is unillumined and has no power in itself to overcome its ignorance. So, all attempts of intellect to lift man and the human family to higher states of consciousness will prove futile. There must be an influx of spiritual energy and inspiration from the Father of Lights. Yet it is interesting to note how the discoveries of modern science are demonstrating phases of truth without bringing forth a single principle that will raise man spiritually. For example, light has been probed to its physical source and properties, have been revealed of a world that was non-existent to the physical man. Yet with all the marvelous knowledge acquired about light, no quality has been revealed that man can apply to his moral or health-restoring needs. The argument that light is a property of electricity that is being successfully applied to heal human ills, is not borne out by facts. Yet the scriptures treat light and intelligence as one. In the very first chapter of the Bible, we are told that mind became manifest as light. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light but the mind that judges according to appearance never discerns the inner truth about light or anything else. We must know the truth about the omnipresence of the one intelligence in the light, then we shall be made free from our intellectual darkness. Science agrees with James that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Science says light is a very orderly and exceedingly productive wave motion in the ether, But science does not tell us that light is God intelligence in action and that we can link our mind with the light and reap the benefit of its marvelous potentialities. 
Some Christian metaphysicians are shy about using the scientists' approach to their problems, fearing that they themselves will fall into a materialistic trend of thought. However, when we see scientists telling in physical terms of the properties of God-mind, needing only to add the assumption of an intelligent moving power, we have found the cooperation of a very earnest and convincing lot of truth-seekers. So do not be afraid of the true physical scientist but give his discoveries the light of mind. Then you will find that the substance and life will become more obedient to your word of command. Remember that Moses received his great command from Jehovah when he turned aside to see why the bush that burned was not consumed. Jehovah spoke to him out of the midst of the bush, that is, God was in the fire that lighted an ordinary bush. Open your mind to the light of spirit wherever you are. See with the eye of the mind that God is omnipresent spirit, over all and through all and in all. Teach Us to Pray, by Charles Fillmore, 1941. Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 2 If it be objected that the golden legend is now but half supported by the church, and that it is known to have been compiled by the writer from a collection of the lives of the saints, for the most part unauthorized, we can show that, at least in one instance, the biography is no legendary compilation, but the history of one man, by another one who was his contemporary. Jortin and Gibbon demonstrated years ago that the early fathers used to select narratives, wherewith to ornament the lives of their apocryphal saints, from Ovid, Homer, Livy, and even from the unwritten popular legends of pagan nations. But such is not the case in the above instances. Saint Bernard lived in the 12th century, and Saint Dominic was nearly contemporaneous with the author of the Golden Legend. Devorahine died in 1298, and Dominic, whose exorcisms and life he described so minutely, instituted his order in the first quarter of the 13th century. Moreover, Devorahine was vicar, general of the Dominicans himself, in the middle of the same century, and therefore described the miracles wrought by his hero and patron but a few years after they were alleged to have happened. He wrote them in the same convent, and while narrating these wonders, he had probably fifty persons at hand who had been eyewitnesses to that saint's mode of living. What must we think, in such a case, of a biographer who seriously describes the following, one day, as the blessed saint was occupied in his study, the devil began pestering him, in the shape of a flea. He frisked and jumped about the pages of his book until the harassed saint, unwilling as he was to act unkindly, even toward a devil, felt compelled to punish him by fixing the troublesome devil on the very sentence on which he stopped, by clasping the book. At another time the same devil appeared under the shape of a monkey. He grinned so horribly that Dominic, in order to get rid of him, ordered the devil monkey to take the candle and hold it for him until he had done reading. The poor imp did so and held it until it was consumed to the very end of the wick, and, notwithstanding his pitiful cries for mercy, the saint compelled him to hold it till his fingers were burned to the bones. Enough. The approbation with which this book was received by the church and the peculiar sanctity attributed to it, is sufficient to show the estimation in which veracity was held by its patrons. We may add, in conclusion, that the finest quintessence of Boccaccio's Decameron appears prudery itself by comparison, with the filthy realism of the golden legend. H. P. Blavatsky We cannot regard with too much astonishment the pretensions of the Catholic Church in seeking to convert Hindus and Buddhists to Christianity. 
While the heathen keeps to the faith of his fathers, he has at least the one redeeming quality, that of not having apostatized for the mere pleasure of exchanging one set of idols for another. There may be for him some novelty in his embracing Protestantism, for in that he gains the advantage, at least, of limiting his religious views to their simplest expression. But when a Buddhist has been enticed into exchanging his shoe dagoon for the slipper of the Vatican, or the eight hairs from the head of Gautama and Buddha's tooth, which work miracles, for the locks of a Christian saint, and a tooth of Jesus, which work far less clever miracles, he has no cause to boast of his choice. In his address to the Literary Society of Java, Sir T.S. Raffles is said to have narrated the following characteristic anecdote. On visiting the great temple on the hills of Nagasaki, the English commissioner was received with marked regard and respect by the venerable patriarch of the northern provinces, a man 80 years of age, who entertained him most sumptuously. On showing him round the courts of the temple, one of the English officers present, heedlessly exclaimed, in surprise, Jesus Christus. The patriarch turning half round, with a placid smile, bowed significantly, with expression, we know your Yasus Christus. Well, don't obtrude him upon us in our temples, and we remain friends. And so, with a hearty shake of the hands, these two opposites parted. There is scarcely a report sent by the missionaries from India, Tibet, and China, but laments the diabolical obscenity of the heathen rites, their lamentable impudicity, all of which are so strongly suggestive of devil worship, as De Musos tells us. We can scarcely be assured that the morality of the pagans would be in the least improved were they allowed a free inquiry into the life of say the psalmist king, the author of those sweet psalms which are so rapturously repeated by Christians. The difference between David performing a phallic dance before the holy ark, emblem of the female principle, and a Hindu Vishnavite bearing the same emblem on his forehead, favors for the former only in the eyes of those who have studied neither the ancient faith nor their own. When a religion which compelled David to cut off and deliver 200 foreskins of his enemies before he could become the king's son-in-law, 1 Samuel, 18, is accepted as a standard by Christians, they would do well not to cast into the teeth of heathen the impudicities of their faiths. Remembering the suggested parable of Jesus, they ought to cast the beam out of their own eye before plucking at the moat in their neighbors. The sexual element is as marked in Christianity as in any one of the heathen religions. Certainly, nowhere in the Vedas can be found the coarseness and downright immodesty of language that Hebraists now discover through the Mosaic Bible. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 In the terrific experiences which were those of the Master Jesus and myself and those who were with us, if it had not been for that sacred fire love, we could never have given the example to the world of what it means to master the conditions of the physical octave, and to overcome mankind's hatred. The more mankind generates discord, the more must those who understand this law call forth the sacred fire love that is such terrific power of immortal purity, that as you demand it go into conditions that are destructive, demand without limit the great central sun's legions of the angels of sacred fire love that move into the physical conditions of this world that which, if need be, can silence on the instant everything of human discord. And I assure you, when those beings of the sacred fire love who have never yet been embodied in the physical body, those beings are created by the great beings and the great central sun especially to handle the concentration of this sacred fire love and cosmic power, that affects the whole system of worlds, 
and when they appear and that power goes forth, nothing else can exist. That is the help we are offering you tonight. That is the power, we ask you to use to offset mankind's continual creation of impurity, discord, and hatred. The loved ones, the powerhouse has been opened to your use. The door is wide open into the ascended master's octave. There are no more obstructions to those who know this law. All we ask you to do is to use it now in outer physical conditions as powerfully as you can, that you may have that same blessing within yourselves as you call it into physical conditions, to prevent what the sinister force intends. As you enter into the continual use of this, we will not need to say anything more. Your own experiences will prove to you the joy it is to call it into this octave to correct the conditions that all mankind together cannot correct. Nothing can do away with mankind's frightful creation of evil except the angels of that sacred fire love from the great central sun, whose power is without limit. Concentration of that sacred fire from their own blazing hearts can forever handle everything mankind has created of discord. And yet they never enter into it. The flame goes ahead, and nothing else can exist but its presence. When you want power without limit to handle physical conditions that are vicious, call forth the legions of the angels of sacred fire love to reveal and use and show their power of control of physical destructive conditions. When you call forth the legions from the great central sun of the angels of sacred fire love in such overwhelming power human creation cannot exist, be prepared to see the change take place that will awaken many of those at this time who are caught in the clutches of destructive forces, but who have light enough to be made to turn to the constructive way of life at this time. This is the purpose of my coming tonight, that I may bring freedom to those life streams who have been caught in the toils of destructive forces, and yet, who know well enough that destructive conditions cannot succeed. Beloved Mary You can be part of the legions of freedom to those life streams as well as us. We can pour forth the sacred fire through you. Be unconcerned. Just call the great central sun's legions of the angels of sacred fire love to pour their power without limit into those life streams, and force the awakening that takes them out of the clutches of the sinister force. There will be many, many, many life streams at this time that can be turned to the light and that will bless you forever because you were the strength of the light that drew them out of the shadows and into the sacred fire's love that is immortal freedom. This is the freedom of your beloved Saint Germain, because the violet-consuming flame sacred fire love can be of such intensity the human cannot exist. Beloved ones, we have healed and healed and healed, but mankind needs to be healed with the illumination that makes the individual within feel that he or she does not want to any longer create the shadows. It is to awaken these life streams from within, and allow the desire from within to come into outer world conditions, and command that destructive forces shall forever cease existence. When you know how many healing angels have enfolded mankind down through the ages, down through the centuries throughout the world wherever healing has taken place, you must realize that from an ascended master's standpoint, that must someday come into the use of unascended beings, for they must be taught to use this power to free the rest of humanity. And as that takes place, automatically you free yourselves. So, the healing angels are the angels of freedom. The healing flame is the sacred fire love. When you ask the legions of the healing angels, the angels of sacred fire love, to clothe you in their miracle mantle of the cosmic love's prevention of human creation wherever you abide, just as certainly as you make the call, will you find the fulfillment of that call becoming a part of your own life stream. So, may you go forward and live in the heart realm of life. I shall ever be close to you, for no part of life can call to me for sacred fire love that I do not respond, for I will always respond, and with more than the individual knows exists. 
It is our privilege, our way of life, our divine plan fulfilled that offers the sacred fire love of immortal mastery over this world. Then peace becomes eternal, and you become the manifestation of it and have the right and authority to command it to control conditions around you, and you are no longer subject to the discordant conditions that heretofore you have felt you could not overcome. You can overcome everything with this power of the sacred fire love, and the angels of the sacred fire love are the guardians of all who want the constructive way of life. So, we leave you enfolded in the great cosmic miracle mantle of eternal power, the sacred fire love and healing peace, and the almighty victory and full ascended master control of manifestation, by that sacred fire love that forever floods everything with greater and greater perfection, and is master for eternity. I commend you to that heart flame, and may it forever teach you all that is in the ascended master's octave, till you come to us for eternity. Thank you with all my heart. Beloved Mary.